0: Welcome to National Treasure Hunt, the podcast where the secret lies not only with Charlotte, but also with your co-hosts. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And in today's Deep Dive episode, we are following up on an episode that we did last season in season five. Some of you might recall that episode 48 of our show was an in-depth look at paper currency in the United States and how it relates back to national treasure. Well, we promised you if folks seemed to like that episode, we'd come back this season and do one on U.S. coins. And so here we are.
1: Here we are, indeed. Um, I know we have a few cursory things to get out of the way, you know, before we really jump into the episode. But in case you heard our voices and were immediately like, gotta get out of here, who cares about coins? I have not read the outline for this episode until this very moment. Well, actually, I still haven't. I will be reading it as we do it. Um, Her <laughs> Aubrey's recommendation. It's not me just being lazy. And so I think that that'll
0: prove for some entertaining
1: fodder, shall we say, throughout the episode.
0: Yes. See, this is two reasons to be excited here today. Number one is it's like an Emily quiz day, which we all love here on the podcast. And number two is this is, you know, just another episode of us kind of getting back to our podcast roots, doing one of our sort of history and and current event sort of deep dives. Since I know a lot of you heard a lot from us about the season one of National Treasure Edge of History early in this season – And we promised you we are still talking movies and the franchise as a whole. So get excited. But before we we get to U.S. coinage, we must provide our weekly screams from Parkington Lane. Our screams from Parkington Lane for the uninitiated is really our recognition, our acknowledgement, our time to admit defeat that national treasure has infiltrated every crack and crevice in our daily lives. It's not just confined to the podcast and our weekly recording sessions. No, it pops up everywhere. And we're admitting that here to you as we dive into the giant pit beneath Parkington Lane and scream as we do so. So, Emily, do you have a scream to share this week? Ah! Yes, I have a scream.
1: Um, I've been holding on to this one for a little while now. Um... You know, we are, uh, at least at the time we're recording this, I'm going to date us a bit, but we are, uh, you know, the World Cup ended not that long ago, uh, and so I just have soccer on the brain, um, and I am eagerly awaiting the return of uh, Major League Soccer here in the United States so that I can begin to watch uh, the Philadelphia Union play again, and so I am not a member of this particular supporter fan club part of the union, but uh, I believe my fiancé and his brother are. Um, There is a group of very vocal um, union supporters that have named themselves the Sons of Ben. And that is supposed to be after Benjamin Franklin. And I felt that that was timely uh, for the episode that we're doing because, well, Benjamin Franklin, I guess, wasn't, he wasn't a president. But wait, did we decide with the last episode that the only people that were on money were presidents?
0: Not quite.
1: Okay, so there's a chance.
0: You forget where Benjamin Franklin was. He bounced. on the
1: hundred dollar bill. He
0: was okay.
1: <laughs> um, my boy, Benny boy. Oh, Benny boy, the lightning, lightning's calling. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is a uh, what do they call it? A deep cut. Deep
1: cut. Yep, yeah, that's that's correct. Like on a record, It'll be a deep cut. Yeah, it's the further in on the record the song is, the uh, the like less popular it was, so it's considered a deep cut if it's cut further into the record.
0: Well, thank you for that history lesson. Um, You're I welcome.
1: I I have I have
0: history bars too. You you do. Is that is that the conclusion of your scream that you encountered the sons of Ben? Yeah. Okay.
1: What's yours? <laughs>
0: So my scream is pretty tame this week, but like when it happened, I literally couldn't believe it. It's an autocorrect fail. It's actually two autocorrect fails for my iPhone. Um, at one point I was trying to type the word Carolyn, like like a bell Carolyn. There's one in the DC area here. Um, and it autocorrected to Carrollton, like Charles Carroll of Carrollton. And then in the same message... I was typing the word vermin and it changed to Vernon. Like Mount Vernon. And I was like, what is happening right now?
1: So many things.
0: I, I I just don't know. My phone is listening. Of course it's listening. Like all of our phones are listening. Yeah. But it's also just evidence that I guess I um just type in the words Carrollton and Vernon pretty frequently. I wonder why i have been doing that.
1: On your phone?
0: messages, tweets, Mm. Instagram. Oh,
1: oh, okay. No, that all makes sense now.
0: So that's my scream. Um, National Treasure is now taking over my devices. Not surprising.
1: And if National Treasure is taking over your life and devices as well, um, feel free to share your screams with us. Uh, We always love to hear about them. Uh, You can find us uh to do so on twitter and instagram we are at NT Hunt podcast uh we are also available for your listening ears on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get your pods uh you can check us out on our website nthuntpodcast.com where we have basically all the information you could possibly need about us and our various projects including our book our tour all of our interview experiences etc And speaking of book, if you would like to, and we highly recommend it, go ahead and order our book at TuckerDSPress.com. It is called National Treasure Hunt, One Step Short of Crazy.
0: So, with all of that out of the way, I think it is finally time for us to dive into the topic of today's conversation. U.S. coins and what they have to do with national treasure. So, just to give you... As always, a little bit of an overview, what you can expect here. We're going to start with some coinage basics, because unbeknownst to me until preparing for this episode, there's like a whole lingo and a whole vernacular associated with coins, which is not only a little interesting, but we're going to have to use some of those terms later, so we want to make sure you know what's going on. We will then move into a very brief history of U.S. coinage. All of these sections will include lovely Emily quiz time. Then we're going to talk a bit about the only coin to appear in the National Treasure franchise, which it almost doesn't. It's it's another deep cut. And finally, we'll conclude by answering the question, how could you potentially connect various modern coins to the national treasure franchise and you know we like to stretch things out a little bit so these will likely be indirect connections or will they time will tell
1: i'm excited
0: i'm glad you should be uh so quick disclaimer um a lot of the info from today's episode is sourced from usmint.gov and we of course didn't take all of that info so if this is interesting to you definitely head on over there uh, and check out the other resources that they have. There's actually really cool materials over there for kids as well. So if you have children and they're interested in coins and history, go, uh, go take a look. Okay, Emily, coinage basics. Are you ready? I am prepared. Okay, so this is some terminology and some trivia. So there are various, like, parts or components of a coin and i did not realize it was so complicated i thought it was like heads and tails and we move on right um there's more than that Mm -hmm. so if you uh take out your trusty coin there are obviously two sides what Mm -hmm. do you think the obverse obverse of the coin means
1: the other side
0: other side of what there are two sides
1: like when you're looking at one side the obverse is the other side.
0: Yeah, one would think that, right? I actually had the same impression. That's that's not exactly right. It turns out that the obverse is how you describe the front of the coin. So the heads. Hmm. It is the opposite of the reverse or tails. That's dumb. I'm with you. Okay, moving right along. You know how you're looking at a coin. You're feeling a coin. You rub your thumb over it. The edges feel raised, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a raised border that protects the design of the coin and actually allows coins to stack on top of each other. Mm-mm. What do you think that a uh, raised border is called, if you had to guess?
1: Coin bridge.
0: That is a very logical guess. And you're close, you have the letter correct. It is a rim
1: that that's a fairly standard term for that kind of thing so yes, fair yes, yes, yes.
0: now the rim this raised portion is adjacent to the edge which is the actual outside it has a little bit of width to it right um there's a couple other terms here that I think are fun to quiz you on because I don't think you're gonna get them um <laughs> if I said that there's a part of a coin that's described as the field what do you think that would describe
1: Like field of grass field. Like that's that's how it's
0: spelled. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: It's like the area that the coin occupies.
0: Sort of. It's the background behind the coin's design. So like the the blank space. Blank
1: space, yeah.
0: Yeah. For feeling Taylor Swifty or something. (laughs) Um there's also a component called the relief.
1: The relief is the actual like design, isn't it?
0: The relief are basically the components, like words and stuff that are raised. It's actually like kind of the reason why you need the rim to make uh, the coin stack, because otherwise you have the pieces, that are, all the components that are raised. That is called the relief. Um, there's also a component called the mint mark, and that is uh, a marking that signifies which U.S. mint made the coin. The mm. most common ones are... P, and D. I'm going to let you guess what cities you think those correspond to.
1: Cities? Oh, God.
0: Yes, where I'm not expecting you to know where the U.S. mints are located. We'll get to that later. But um, one of these should be guessable, I think.
1: Uh, Let's go with Philly.
0: Yes! P is Philly.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm trying to keep it national treasure. Oh, that's a state.
0: were you going to say, Delaware?
1: (laughs) I was going to say Dakota North.
0: (laughs) Dakota, North. (laughs) But the national treasure is Dakota, South.
1: Well, I was going to let you correct me on which one it was. Um, DC.
0: That would be a good guess. The answer is Denver. Um, So those are the two most common. Now, there are other components of the coin, like the inscription. So think like E pluribus unum or whatever uh the date that the coin was was created the bust that is the figure there's a figure on it etc um but the last little bit um that i think is worth mentioning just because i found this a little interesting and it does facilitate more emily quizzing is the nature of the edge so the edge of the coin i want you to picture any any old coin M. what's your favorite coin do you have a favorite coin pennies pennies might i ask why
1: My dad used to say that every time he found a penny on the ground, it reminded him of my grandfather Hmm. and made him think that he was keeping an eye on us. So now when I see a penny, that's what I think of.
0: Very cute. Okay, well then you must be very proficient in what pennies look like, I'm going to imagine. So the first question I'm going to ask you about a penny is basically the nature of its edge. Because as you might recall, just from interacting with coins in your life, that outer edge can... Look or feel a little bit different. So, there are plain edges, so they're smooth. There are reeded edges, so those are the ones that have just like a lot of little lines parallel to one another, circling the coin. There are lettered edges that have like words or letters, and there are decorated edges, which are basically a fancy edge that's not a letter, <laughs> like a different pattern. All right, so quiz time, Emily imagine your favorite penny what type of edge does a penny have can you can you tell me
1: I want to say the penny is the one that has the smooth edge
0: it does have a plain edge you are correct but let's go up in denomination now let's go to a nickel I
1: feel like they wouldn't waste words maybe just the decorated
0: so the nickel is actually also plain
1: oh okay I thought it had to be one of each four one of each option
0: oh no 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 I'm just, no. No, it doesn't. Oh. Just, the edges are the types that exist, and I'm asking you. Oh, yeah, of...
1: definitely plain then.
0: <laughs> Okay, well, with that qualifier, how about a dime?
1: Now, see, I w- would like to say that a dime is also plain, but I feel like there might be, like, some roughness there.
0: So do you think it's plain, so, reeded, lettered, or decorated?
1: Uh, let's say lettered.
0: It is readed. What? Mm-hmm. Lots well, because the
1: quarter definitely is readed.
0: That is correct. So you're, like
1: I knew that.
0: You're doing pretty well here we so far. We used to far. collect quarters. Okay, well, and we're going to talk about why you collected quarters shortly. However, um, you're pretty good at this. So far, you're doing way better at this than our quizzes related to paper currency, which is a little bit shocking because I feel like, you know, money that's not a credit card (laughs) is almost superfluous for people of our generation these days Mm -hmm. even so i feel like paper bills are more common for us than coins
1: oh for sure
0: but you you're more familiar with coins i'm very yeah are you ready okay so you're an expert in what coins look and feel like apparently let's move on to the history of u.s coinage so we're gonna keep this brief um as we all learned in episode 48 of National Treasure Hunt, paper currency is printed at the US Bureau of Engraving and Printing. But that's not where coins come from. So coins are designed and made by the US Mint, and the mint was established in 1792. Wow. Yeah, so it was a it was a pretty early establishment. So yeah. Following the Revolutionary War, states were minting their own coins. This should also sound a little familiar. Do you remember back when we were talking paper currency, we were like, it does not make sense that every It was all state? over the place. Yeah, they just like all have their own money. Um, but after the Constitution was, was written and signed, there needed to be some, let's say, centralized minting. Um, So Philadelphia um, was actually the site of the first U.S. Mint because at the time it was the capital. Makes sense. Exactly. Um, We're going to share on our social media a timeline of U.S. Mint history and developments um, because there's a lot of mentions of national treasure-relevant founding fathers in this Mm. timeline, but we would be here all day if I went through it point (laughs) by point, so... Uh, What I will mention is, Emily, you are very well known for your patriarchy corner here on National Treasure Hunt, so you might be surprised to learn this particular fun fact that I picked out for you. It turns out that the U.S. Mint was actually one of the very first U.S. federal agencies to hire women. Oh, You know when they started hiring women? So again, the Mint was founded in 1792. Take a guess as to when they started hiring women. (laughs) Mid-1800s? I think that's a fairly reasonable guess. The answer you're going to love. 1795. That's so cool. Yeah, it turns out that a woman held the second highest position at the Mint before women even had the right to vote.
1: It was probably for some patriarchal reason that, like, women are better at, like, handling the money or something like that. But then also, I feel like that's changed over time. The opinion on that in patriarchal corners. So who knows? But uh, that's that's very cool. I so like. We're
0: not that. giving them any credit, basically. No,
1: no. Absolutely. We'll, not. we'll give them a little credit. <laughs>
0: okay, so that's our our very brief kind of history. But now, there's also some logistics involved in coins, right? Because. You know we have coins we we find them on the ground, we throw them into fountains. We probably just like throw them into tip jars very frequently because we don't feel like having them in our pockets or our wallets. If you're me, I hate having coins in my wallet because for some reason, it makes my wallet go off in every airport metal detector. It's very annoying. it is metal, but everyone has wallets, and coins are a thing that have existed since seventeen ninety two and before
1: I feel like people probably removed their coins before. Going From their to airports.
0: wallet? Yeah. And do what with them? Leave them on their kitchen table until they get home?
1: Yeah, I have a whole jar of coins. That's where I put all my coins. And then I take it to, like, the little bank machine.
0: Okay, well, people also keep coins in wallets because they are money that you're supposed to use. So, like, for example, if you drive a car in the city and have to park at a meter. You have a th- there's app on your phone. Not everywhere. Anyway. Coins, how do they make them? This is something that I found super fascinating um, because as, you know, I'm a chemist. I, I have um, some material science training as well. And I, you know, worked with a lot of different metals and alloys and things. So I thought this was a really interesting question to ask, like how coins are actually made. So it turns out that uh, basically it's a it's a fairly simple process nominally I'm sure it is not a simple process to for example design a coin and get it approved but after that design is approved um, there are artists at the Mint who sculpt the design into a 3D form and then a die is made so basically like like a stamp kind of or like a form Um, there are blanks which are empty coins basically like blank coins those get annealed which makes them kind of softer and ready to be stamped, if you will. After the annealing, the blanks get rims, so that those uh, raised mm-hmm. edges. Then they get stamped with the die. This is a process called striking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're pretty much ready when I was reading about this process I couldn't help but think about my dad a lot of thinking of our respective dads in this episode for me is because (laughs) I think I mentioned in episode 48 my dad's like a big coin and like historic money collector and I remember from a very young age my dad and his collectorism teaching me that you know if you can find a coin that is partially blank it's worth something because it's Ooh. it was like a like a mistake mistake exactly it's like a it's a mistake or like misprints on bills oh my
1: gosh now i'm gonna go look for coins like that
0: i mean they're really hard to find i'm sure you could like find them on ebay and stuff but like to just find to come across one is fairly uncommon
1: well yeah <laughs> i'm just gonna go touching all the coins
0: i'm just going to every fountain Dig up they don't let you do that in
1: as many fountains anymore.
0: You you could ever do that?
1: Yeah. So we went to the mall recently, the Willow Grove Mall. You <laughs> yeah. When, when I was diving? <laughs> no, when I was a kid, there's a there's a fountain in the mall, and you used to be able to throw coins in there and like make a wish or whatever. And now there are like signs that like specifically say like do not throw oh. coins in here. Also, the fountain may have actually not been on anymore as part of that.
0: Okay, well, the way you just said that made it sound like you're going to say, yeah, they don't let you go walking around taking coins out of fountains anymore.
1: Oh, well, that was not a thing.
0: Well, I'm sorry you didn't get to throw coins into the fountain. Um, turns out you wouldn't have had any coins to throw anyway because you leave them all at home.
1: No, it's not kept at home. What? The ability to mint Coins.
0: I really appreciate that transition, because I had no way to do it. Um, Yeah, so the Mint has multiple locations. Actual creation of coins does not occur at all of them, okay? What? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. So there are six locations. They are in Denver, as we discussed, as well as Philadelphia. But they're also in Fort Knox, Kentucky, mm-hmm. San Francisco, California, Washington, D.C., and West Point, New York. Now, from my perspective, the most interesting of these mints for national treasure lore is the Fort Knox Mint. Interestingly, because its entire job is to store gold,
1: so it doesn't make money. They just you mm-hmm. send gold there.
0: Well, it's like or do the... they
1: make the gold and keep it there?
0: Gold is an element i meant like you cannot make it
1: well because like you know like people used to mine for gold so like you know do they like is it like mine for and then they like well you can't really melt gold you can but it's really it i've tried it needs to be really hot (laughs) Um, (laughs) to like make it into like a gold bar keep going
0: keep (laughs) keep just diving deeper and deeper (laughs) commit
1: You get bored in labs sometimes,
0: okay? (laughs) You just have gold laying around to melt. Oh my gosh! We had gold pins, like actual gold. Yeah,
1: but we were trying to do something. Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was actual gold. Yeah, it said gold.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, so this is basically, it's the government stockpile of gold, partially located here part of that utility is to make gold coins which are predominantly collector's coins at this point Mm -hmm. um there are other other mints have storage facilities as well not all of them make coins okay an example of another mint that does not make coins is actually the washington dc mint um it's mostly administrative and things like that um I will say that folks who are interested in visiting a mint and taking a tour should go to the Philadelphia one, mostly because they give tours and it's also a national treasure city. So go check that out.
1: I feel like I've been there.
0: Really? That's fine.
1: I feel like I had to have been on some school trip.
0: So the mint makes multiple types of coins. Um, there are circulating coins. Those are the ones used as money or to throw into a fountain. Uh, We'll talk about them shortly. There are also coins that are explicitly made for collector's purposes. And then there are some circulating coins that are also like sort of meant to be collected. So you can use them at the store, but you can also like keep them in your piggy bank for funsies. A lot of those circulating slash collectible coins come from what are called coin programs. Uh, these programs are devised to actually inspire people to collect coins one of the most fascinating things i learned in peppering for this episode is that one of the mint's big goals is to like get people into coin collecting interesting i mean it clearly worked on my dad
1: yeah it worked (laughs) on me too
0: (laughs) so exactly as you were saying that you collected quarters before right what was there a particular type of quarter that you collected
1: yeah, we had, a like, a map, and we were trying to get one from each of the 50 states.
0: I was hoping you'd say that. So that I think that is the most recognizable circulating coin program. It's the 50 state quarters program. So this was fun to learn because, I don't know, my whole life, my recollection of coins, state quarters were just always a thing. They were just... Mm-hmm there and you know you were equally likely to get a regular quarter as you were to get like a, a state quarter from yeah yeah the teller or whatever um the 50 state quarters program ran from 1999
1: to 2008 wait what <laughs> i yeah. thought it was still going <laughs>
0: no no so it started in 1999 it formally ended in 2008 however there was an additional year 2009 where they added Washington, D.C. and the U.S. territories. Um, Now, the thing is, you think that they're still going because they're still in circulation, right? You could still get one because they don't just disappear. However, since this time, other circulating coin programs have started. Some have ended. (laughs) Didn't even know about it. So, for example, there's a new, well, a newer program called the America the Beautiful Quarters Program, And you might look at these in passing and think, oh, it's a state quarter, because it's the same vibe. But instead of having a scene from, like, a state and having the state name on it, it has images from national parks and national forests. That sounds cool. So you want them, right? You're, like, super excited about this. I want them, yeah. Well, guess what? That quarter program ended. So they're not out anymore? I mean they exist but they're not being made anymore. I think the irony is Well, like they... the
1: state ones aren't being made anymore either.
0: These this these America the Beautiful quarters were were created from 2010 to 2021 and we had no idea.
1: I'm going to go look at all my quarters now. Excuse me.
0: Um please please wait until we're done recording, Emily. <laughs> to keep you focused because i have one more uh program that i want to tell you about explicitly again because of your patriarchy corner are you ready mm-hmm. the american women quarters program Ooh. these are featuring women who have impacted the united states in various positive ways and this is a new program that started last year in 2022 and it will run until 2025 so keep your eyes peeled for quarters in that program i will you're just never going to look at your coins the same way ever again I'm going to pay
1: with cash all the time now, <laughs> just so I can get quarters.
0: Okay, so now we learned, all, I think we've already learned a lot about American coins. So we're going to now dive into some specific coins, and that's how we're going to spend the, the rest of this episode. Again, I want to start here with the one and only coin that we ever actually see in the National Treasure franchise. Okay. Do you know what it is, Emily? No. Yeah, I, I, I actually don't blame you for this one because it's a bit of a stretch. It's the Liberty Head gold coin. Is that Are what those the one dollar ones? No. These are, are gold coins that were they're antiques, basically. Okay. They also kind of don't exist anymore. Basically, where do we see them in the franchise? This is that deep cut. These are the coins inside of that chest that Ben pulls up from his archaeological shipwreck expedition at the very beginning of the National Treasure 2 novel. Oh. So if this makes no sense to folks listening, go back and listen to episode 55 of National Treasure Hunt, or the episode just prior to this one, because in that episode, we basically went over the whole storyline in the National Treasure 2 novel, which differs substantially from the National Treasure 2 movie. And this is where we see the Liberty Head gold coins.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: Yeah. So these are ironically the only like treasure coins we see in the franchise, the films, the prequel books, and at least till our current understanding, the series as well. Um. And I, I still, I know we mentioned this back when we did episode 48, I still find that so interesting because coins are so stereotypically treasure, like pirates' chest of gold kind of thing.
1: Yeah, well, I think maybe something they were trying to go for was, like, non-monetary. I mean... For the treasure.
0: Yeah, the cultural and intrinsic value component, for sure. Um, but, in any case...
1: So if this wasn't a $1 coin, Aubrey, how much was this coin actually worth?
0: So it turns out that this coin um, was made by the U.S. Mint starting in 1849. Okay. And was ultimately issued and sort of made for use from 1850 to 1907. The value of the coin was $20. What? It's a gold coin. I mean, it's predominantly gold. I'll tell (sighs) you the composition in a minute. Um, But basically, what the prompt for this was after – Gold was discovered in California in the 1840s, think gold rush time. Mm -hmm. Congress decided that they could kind of like get away with or it would be a good idea to issue a larger gold denomination than they had previously. Prior to this time, the highest gold coin denomination was $10. What? And they also had, um, you know, smaller, like $5 and things like that. Um, So they upped it to and started making 20s. That's this coin. Um, According to Wikipedia, admittedly, uh, I'm quoting this exactly. Only one 1849 double eagle, that's what these were also known as, is known to survive. And it rests in the National Numismatic Collection at the Smithsonian American History Museum. What? Why didn't the other one survive? So a lot of them were melted down. Um, in the first half of the uh, 1900s, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt recalled gold coin use in 1933.
1: Fair. yeah, they're they're having some some troubles with the uh, money at those times.
0: Yeah, so um, knowing this fact though that they're super rare, <laughs> um, and practically non-existent anymore, I think makes their their theoretical use in national treasure even in that one preserved scene, even more important. yeah, And more significant, right? Because it's not only, not only do they have whatever the value of the gold is at that time, but now you are almost introducing some of that intrinsic or cultural value because you can't find these anymore, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that.
0: Yeah. Um, so as you might expect, this being called the Liberty Head Gold Coin, um, the obverse... Remember, we know what that means now. Mm-hmm. The front, um, the heads. Yes. It, it contains or shows the head of liberty. So, like, the, a woman portraying liberty. This is going to become a very common theme in the rest of our conversation today.
1: Not like the Statue of Liberty.
0: No. Not the Statue of Liberty.
1: Because that was later.
0: Yes, because that was later. Now, the reverse side had an eagle and... Clutching so a scroll. No, unfortunately not clutching a scroll because that would be too poetic. Um, but what I can tell you, Emily, is since we're now experts on coin edges, uh, this also had a reeded edge. So it's a little bit like our quarter and our dime. Uh, the the gold coin itself was not 100% gold, common misconception. Um, it was 90% gold and 10% copper.
1: I feel like that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think there's probably several reasons why you might do that. But we're going to see um, metal alloys and 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 compositions that are not what i think a lot of people expect as we proceed throughout our modern u.s coins which is where we're going to go next um so we're going to go back to quizzing emily a little bit here since we know she's such an expert in in the four basic u.s coins we're going to start with the penny emily how much is a penny worth
1: one cent
0: you did it okay we're off to a good start who is on the obverse the heads uh i think
1: it's abe lincoln
0: you are correct now this um image of abe lincoln has been used since 1909 and there's also a little bit of a tricky trick on the reverse or the tails do you know what is currently being stamped onto the reverse of pennies
1: yeah so it it has changed it it was the i don't know if this is correct but it to me it always looked like the the Lincoln Memorial,
0: it used which to be the would Lincoln Memorial makes sense because mm-hmm.
1: Abe Lincoln. Now it's like a shield-looking thing, um, but yeah, I I don't count them as real pennies.
0: Okay, I was about to say Color Me Impressed, and now I'm just like, do you hear yourself? Um- no, like, I
1: do, but, like, I prefer the other ones, because it has, like, the Lincoln Memorial is, like, one of my favorite things, so.
0: So. And these
1: little shields, I don't know what they mean, so <laughs> they're just there.
0: Well, they, they are meant to symbolize preservation of the United States as one country, so they have, like, the stripes that you would see from For example, in our in our flag. And of course, the civil war was ended under Lincoln. So preservation of the US under one country. Now what really blew my mind about this was that they started making this version, the SHIELD version, in 2010. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I've never held one of these pennies in my hand and it is 2023. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think Oh so. no,
1: I a lot of the pennies I have are like that, but I don't think I made the connection that it was twenty ten. i w- thought it would have started a little later than that. I think I mean but... twenty
0: ten, we were still in high school.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I I feel like I started noticing their presence more like college grad school.
0: Interesting. Okay. Well, let's move right along um and talk a little bit more about the design history. Uh, so, it wasn't always Abe Lincoln. It was, as I previewed just a moment ago, um, a woman symbolizing liberty. Later designs included an eagle. Then the uh, famous Indian head penny. Uh, so, this has a Native American um, bust as, as the obverse. It was called, colloquially, the Indian head penny. Um, and then Lincoln came after um, the composition of a penny. Do you know the composition of a penny, Emily? By any chance?
1: It's mostly copper?
0: No. Close. It is copper-plated zinc. So the, the bulk of the penny is zinc and the copper is, is seen on oh, the outside okay. now it did pennies did used to be pure copper when they were first made in 1793 but today that exterior coating the plating if you will makes the penny only 2.5 percent copper interesting Yeah, so, okay, this is our overview of the penny, so you gotta ask the question, like, where are the National Treasure intersections here? We know that we didn't see pennies in the movie, but can we make any connections? Emily, does anything come to mind for you?
1: Well, beginning in National Treasure 2, we start out with the Lincoln assassination, so, I mean... I guess his head could have fallen off. No, his head didn't fall off.
0: <laughs> what? Oh my I god! Gonna, I
1: was gonna say his head could have could have fallen
0: off onto the penny.
1: Um.
0: Okay, I'll, I'll take the I'll take the connection <laughs> of the opening scene. That'll do it. Lincoln, of course, National Treasure too. Um, of course, also the Lincoln, Lincoln Memorial. Memorial itself. Yeah. yeah. So we have that scene that we love in National Treasure. There's also a deleted scene from National Treasure Two when Ben goes up the steps to the lincoln memorial and my favorite connection here it's a little bit more subtle it's probably why i like it um you know how we talked about the shield representing the preservation of the u.s as one country
1: mm-hmm. are you so, gonna say the president's little speech thing
0: no i'm gonna say ben's, weavers are yes ben's little speech about it was under lincoln that we became one nation it's love it the exact same sentiment as why the shield is on the penny today so mm-hmm. i i Chef's kiss on that one.
1: Yay, pennies.
0: All right, you ready to move on? Sure. All right, a nickel. What's the monetary value?
1: Five cents.
0: Who is on the obverse?
1: It's definitely a man.
0: That is correct. You had like a 99% chance of guessing that correctly.
1: I really want to get this right for some reason. I don't know why I want to say it's George Washington, because I'm pretty sure he's the one that's on the quarter but he also might be on two
0: coins okay so you're close you're you're not off by too many presidents it's thomas jefferson okay yeah so with that context do you have a guess on what's on the reverse
1: wouldn't it be the like the first national bank or something
0: no um you're thinking of hamilton i think and the, yeah. the, the money, the paper money. No, um, this is actually Monticello.
1: Ah, that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. We have Jefferson on the front, Monticello on the back. Our design history, if you had to guess, can you guess what used to be on the obverse? I'm just going to give you a wild guess at this point.
1: It used to be on the obverse? Um,
0: there's, the the an point eagle. is, there's, there's a pattern. No, this is Liberty again. Um <laughs> The reverse, say your same answer. Eagle. The reverse had an eagle. After the eagle, it was changed to a wreath. Um, Eventually, the whole design switched and was the Native American chief design on the obverse with a bison on the back.
1: Yeah, I remember
0: them. And Thomas Jefferson and... Monticello that combination started in 1938 so unless you were uh, alive in the early 1900s I'm not really sure why you remember them I think no like I've seen <laughs> them there are there are nickel versions that have bison on the back I think, yes as part of a special issue one of those collections
1: um, yeah they were called I think we called them like buffalo nickels
0: yeah you got it you got it. okay I'm just messing, yeah that is correct um okay here's an interesting one It's a nickel. What's it made of?
1: Based on the last one, I'm going to say not just nickel.
0: (laughs) You would be correct. So nickels are only 25% nickel. The rest is your favorite, copper. What? Are you having fun yet?
1: I don't understand. But okay.
0: <laughs> but I will mention that the first 5 cent coins to be made were actually made of silver.
1: If it's called a nickel, why were they not made of nickel?
0: I mean, I'm not saying that the first 5 cent coins were called nickels, but maybe they were called silvers. Moving on. Can you guess any national treasure intersections here maybe?
1: Uh Thomas I'll admit,
0: This one's a bit of a stretch.
1: Enslaved people uh, were known to be on the estate of Thomas Jefferson, and uh, one of the enslaved people that we talk about a lot on national treasure hunt is uh Charlotte
0: um that's not bad um yeah, there's really not any really good national treasure intersections <laughs> here. My uh, deep cut is um Folks who have received our book might know that one of our ideas for National Treasure 3 is to incorporate Monticello sort of as a parallel or a nod to Mount Vernon from the second movie, since it's another presidential estate. So yeah, um, a little recurring theme here is that we're going to grasp at straws until we get to some really cool stuff in just a few moments. So before we get there, what's the next coin, M. Dime. How many cents? Ten. Who's on the front?
1: Can I get a hint?
0: Um, he has a very nice memorial around the tidal basin, but it is under you like underappreciated or like lesser known. Roosevelt. Which one? FDR. That is correct. It is Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Um, He was chosen, I think, for a really cool reason. He's on the dime because he supported the March of Dimes um, for polio research. Oh, cool. Yeah, and so I don't know. Do you know what's on the tails side? The the reverse? This is actually my favorite design of all coins.
1: I might... When you flip over a dime...
0: Envision it. I'm trying. Feel it. See it. There's no way you're going to get this. I, I've loved this design forever, and I just now learned what the design actually is.
1: It not it like a
0: three-pronged thing? Yes. I mean, it's a three-component design.
1: It, but it's like kind of like that.
0: Yes, for all of our audio only listeners, they can definitely see what you just did. But yes, it is like that. Um basically, it is three pieces of this design on the left, it's an olive branch representing peace. In the middle is a torch representing liberty. And on the right is and this is a new one for us, an oak branch representing strength Hmm. it's always been my favorite design i just think it's very aesthetically pleasing this was the first time i learned what it actually was so that's exciting
1: it also kind of looks like the fleur-de-lis a little bit
0: yeah um i could i could see why how one might think that for sure now unsurprisingly fdr wasn't the first Uh, design for the dime especially since he was chosen to go on a dime because of the march of dimes implying that dimes existed previously etc uh the earliest dime design was can you guess liberty yes what was on the back an eagle you got it and what eventually replaced the eagle we just did it in the last one nickel
1: the bison a wreath a wreath
0: so uh liberty was finally replaced by fdr all the way in 1946 so before we get to the national treasure intersections gotta be complete what is a dime made of there's no way you should guess this there's like not a reason for you to guess it uh so if you'd like i will just tell you
1: i want to say there's some nickel and some silver in there
0: it is nickel and copper again oh oh,
1: you like copper
0: we really like copper uh, for our coins. It is eight point three three percent nickel, and the remainder is copper. Though once again, they were made of silver when they were first minted. Boom. Yeah. See, we're learning. We're le- You're getting good at the pattern recognition, the education. Like we are. We're doing a service here. Um, so now we're going to do the creative service. Emily, do you got a national treasure intersection for me?
1: Um. Well, FDR. Yeah the desk
0: what about the desk and what desk for for our listeners come on
1: the the resolute desk that he had in his office in the white house or one of the two um and it had the puzzle box
0: but what about in... FDR specifically
1: well FDR had the little panel that was in front of his desk, which would hide the fact that he was in a wheelchair.
0: Yeah, see, National Treasure does educate us, people. It
1: does! It I does. couldn't remember why I knew that. And <laughs> now I remember it's National Treasure. <laughs> it's not Annie, it's National Treasure.
0: The more you know... Okay, are you ready for my stretch of a connection? Okay. All right. So the, the olive branch on the tail side? Sure. This makes me think immediately of the eagle clutching a scroll, which is so central to the second movie, because the... Other Talon that's not clutching a scroll is, of course, clutching olive branches. And there's a torch on the reverse as well. How else do you light a treasure room?
1: Gotta be with the random torches that are there. Yeah,
0: we do like to uh, strategically forget the fact that National Treasure 2 uses, like, flashlights, because it's way lamer. Um, (laughs) Moving right along. Last coin that comes to mind for you, Emily. What is it? Quarter. Value.
1: 25 cents.
0: And you started answering this already. Who is on the obverse?
1: George Washington.
0: He is. I will also point out because hashtag patriarchy corner. um, The George Washington profile that is being stamped onto quarters now, like today, is not the one that you're familiar with, not the one that you're thinking of. Okay. Hmm. It's a slightly different version that was originally sculpted by an artist named Laura Garden Fraser. Mm Mm-hmm. As a design for the 1932 quarter. It wasn't used. But hmm. it is now being used because, again, the quarters they are stamping right now are part of that American Women series. Yeah. Yes. So, anyway. Uh, back to the design. What is on the reverse? Do you know? I kind of just spoiled it for you.
1: Um. No, I don't really see a ton of normal quarters, I feel like. I want to say the White House, but I know that's not it.
0: So, technically, the current reverse of a quarter is these American women that are being featured, but I wouldn't have docked you for saying an eagle with spread wings, which is on the back of most quote-unquote hmm. normal quarters.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: I will dock you for saying the White House. Fair. Design history. You're getting good at this, I, I bet. Do you know the old design?
1: Uh, Liberty. And? An eagle.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So it wasn't until 1932 that the whole Washington front spread-winged eagle back started. Um, Technically, you ready for this? Technically, Mm -hmm. that eagle on the back had stopped in 1998.
1: So, like, technically all quarters... That have been produced since then have been either like a state, a national yes. park, or women's.
0: They've quarter. all been these special collections. Wow! So yeah, in 1999, the 50 state quarters program started, and it was subsequently followed by other quarter programs. Um, finally, before we get to our national treasure intersections, do you want to guess on the on the composition here? Copper. <laughs> See, you are good with that pattern recognition. Yes, we actually have. The same distribution as the dime, so we have eight point three three percent nickel. The remainder is copper. Once again, it was silver when it was first minted. So national treasure intersections. How stretchy we got to get here?
1: Mm, a bit, um, just because Washington's not directly in the films. I mean, Eagle. Let's let's talk about National Treasure too. Um when they're, you know, looking for looking for a way to get into Cibola. Gotta love, you know, <laughs> watering the rocks.
0: I had no idea where you were going with this. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. We have Riley. Well, it's like my favorite scene. You got Riley cawing like an eagle, looking very confused on top of the rock, making up some nonsense about how we all have to pass over. <laughs> the symbol, like in a sacred manner, and so that would be my
0: connection. I mean, I love it because it is so windy and like, you know, made just to fit. I would have just said Washington and Mount Vernon personally, uh, fair, but um, <laughs> this whole exercise really made me realize that I would love to see a clue hidden in like one of the various iterations of US coins like from the early mint eras like 1792 to like mid 1800s maybe mm. or 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 it could be even cooler maybe to see like a modern circulating coin program being used to preserve an ancient clue ooh
1: cuz like, like
0: that. who at the mint knows you know right
1: Very
0: okay cool. So that's my surmising and that got me a little bit excited. But what really got me excited is learning that much like the real national treasure, um you got to dig just a little bit deeper to find some really interesting connections. At this point, if listeners are tuning in, they're like, okay, how is this even a National Treasure episode? Like, these are all stretches. It's kind of funny because, like, Emily's silly and Aubrey's just, like, really unfairly putting her on the spot constantly. But where is the National Treasure here? Well, y'all, I'm here to deliver, okay? Because there are actually two more types of coins made by the U.S. Mint that are sort of at this intersection of circulating and collectible. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you know what they are, Um,
1: Well, there's a half-dollar coin, and then there's a dollar coin, right?
0: That's right, yeah. So we're going to go through each of those now, because just you'll see. You'll see, okay? Um, the half-dollar is, again, it's technically a collectible, which I did not know. But it can be used. Since 2002, so actually pre-National Treasure... It's only been minted for coin sets and collector's purposes. Hmm. Um, but again, they are still circulating, so you'll happen upon one you know, once in a while. Um, we can go through this a little faster. Um, unless you're really well-versed in these slightly obscure coins, do you happen to know who's on the half dollar? I mean, I kind of hope so. He's one of your faves. That's your hint.
1: Uh, Hamilton? Hamilton?
0: No, it's JFK. JFK. <gasps> oh,
1: really? I don't think I've ever actually seen a half dollar.
0: Okay, yeah. So it's JFK on the front. Um, The back, the reverse, actually has the presidential seal. It wasn't always this cool and this like appealing to Emily. Um, It once again started <laughs> with the Liberty and the Eagle. Interestingly enough, though, it was the last coin to still have Liberty on it when... Mm. In 1947, it was changed away from Liberty. Okay, but Emily wasn't immediately changed to JFK. I mean, if you know years, that might make sense. Guess who it was changed to?
1: George Washington.
0: Benjamin freaking Franklin.
1: Hey!
0: And on the back, the eagle was changed to the Liberty Bell. Oh, I love that. Yes, so um, we we do absolutely love that. From the Ben Franklin Liberty Bell version, that's when we switched after that version to the current design. That started the year after JFK's assassination. Not totally surprising there. Um, and it's remained that way ever since with the exception of a celebratory version released for the bicentennial of the Declaration of Independence. Mm. That bicentennial version temporarily replaced the presidential seal on the reverse with Independence Hall.
1: Very cool.
0: Yeah, so National Treasure intersection-wise, like, could this coin oddly be the most National Treasure relevant of all the coins? I think yes. I mean, we have the JFK of it all. Right, and this is one of the main conspiracy theories about you know the JFK assassination that's supposed to appear in Riley's book in the second movie. We have the presidential seal on the reverse, and of course that is a an iteration, if you will, of the eagle clutching the scroll symbol. Then, I mean, need I say more? Ben Franklin and the Liberty Bell version pre-JFK, yeah, yeah. and then the Independence Hall to top it off for the bicentennial. Like, okay, I. Now I now I need the half dollar to be used as a clue in the future.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like that would be a very easy thing. And, you know, I feel like we could even incorporate it to the point where we still made the same half dollar, like JFK presidential seal on the back. But there were like one or two that were released that had the secret book <gasps> presidential seal.
0: Ah, oh, the scroll! I would love
1: that. And then that would be like pointing to, like that's the JFK, JFK assassination in the secret book.
0: Oh, I love. So it wouldn't. I guess
1: it wouldn't really be like uncovering a new like clue because we already know that they passed that page in the secret book. But
0: yeah, but it could be fun to think about if each conspiracy—well, not necessarily conspiracy—each thing in the <laughs> secret book, like there was one outside of book real world item pointing to the fact that it is in the book Mm, like i I think i think we read in the national treasure 2 novel that um they gave more detail on the book and like riley's version of the book in that novel and i'm pretty sure they're like yeah if you like marilyn monroe's autopsy report yeah has a stamp of the eagle clutching a scroll on it so like this is that version yep i love it okay so There is one more coin to go through. Emily, as you mentioned accurately, it is the $1 coin. Same thing. It is collectible, but it is usable. Now, I will mention before we go into more detail that since 2018, there is a program version of the one dollar coin called the american innovation series now this started it's a little bit like the state quarters idea where each state is going to get their greatest sort of innovative contribution put on the reverse side of a one dollar coin whose obverse is the statue of liberty okay now aside from the obvious statue of liberty of it all here the only national treasure relevant coin in this particular series so far is new jersey um which was released in 2019 and it featured the invention of the light bulb mm. so thomas edison t- only needed one tried you know, and failed many times <laughs> and only needed one way to make it work exactly you got me um what i think is most national treasure relevant is the fact that a a certain very important Native American woman is featured Yeah. on the $1 coin. Do you know who it is?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Sacagawea. I used to have a ton of these.
0: Yeah, so the Sacagawea golden dollar, it's called, was, um, I keep wanting to say printed. It wasn't printed. It was minted. (laughs) Minted. From 2000 to 2008. Personally, I did not know it stopped again. Yeah. Um, The obverse, once again, is Sacagawea. The reverse, if you have so many of these, I'm wondering if you know what it is.
1: I don't know why I want to say it's like wheat or something, but I don't think that's what it is.
0: Not exactly. So it's an an eagle that's flying and it's surrounded by 17 stars. And those 17 stars represent the 17 states of the Union at the time of Lewis and Clark's expedition.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: Yes. So I wanted to share a little bit about the design history of the Sacagawea Golden Dollar um, because I think the process is really interesting for this one. And I'm taking this from the Mint website. So I'm quoting them <laughs> for the record. Um, they report that the Mint invited 23 artists to submit designs with an image of Sacagawea for the obverse of the coin and a complimentary reverse eagle design reflecting peace and freedom. The mint then invited representatives of the Native American community, um, coin collectors, artists, educators, historians, members of Congress, mint and treasury employees, and other members of the public to review and comment on all designs received. In addition, historians advised the U.S. mint on the historical merits of each finalist design before it was eventually narrowed down to the ones that we know and love.
1: Wow. I like that collaboration.
0: I love it. It's super interdisciplinary. It's like incorporating a lot of voices that need to be incorporated. But Emily, since 2009, every year there has been a different version of basically what you consider the Sacagawea $1. Because there's another ongoing series here. It's called the Native American Contribution Series. And so basically there, for this series, Sacagawea is on the front. And the back is what changes, the reverse changes, to a different scene um, depicting Native American, well, as I already said, Native American contributions to the formation and the history of the United States. This is called the Native American $1 coin program.
1: Okay, I I like I like the the nice touch to uh, trying to honor them. There would obviously be better ways to do so, but I think this is a good start.
0: Yeah, and and there again, since this started in two thousand nine, um, we've got a lot of iterations actually so far. So I went through and took a look at each and picked out a few that made me think of National Treasure. You want to hear about them?
1: Of course.
0: So the very first one, two thousand nine. Um, the depiction is three sisters agriculture now what does this mean there is a system of agriculture it's like a it's called the three sisters it's a symbiotic relationship between planting corn and planting beans that kind of climb and planting squash that stays pretty low to the ground in the same plot now this method if you will originated in central mexico and is thought to have spread simultaneously into um, what we now know as the united states as corn traveled up into this region as well Um, i think this is just fascinating to learn about and it's a very efficient planting method the corn stalks support the bean vines and the the mm. bean vines add nitrogen to the soil, and the squash gives ground cover, which, like, prevents weeds. It's, like, very beautiful concept there. Um, but I, I I read this, and I'm like, this is an amazing national treasure edge of history kind of parallel. Yeah. Uh, of course, we have um, – Several of the civilizations referenced in Edge of History were located in present day Mexico. We have the emphasis in the series on indigenous women, um, and of course, who can forget Agent Sedesky's episode one rant about produce coming from uh, Mesoamerica into the United States?
1: <laughs> Love it. What's what's another one that you have picked out for us?
0: Okay, the next one comes in 2013. Uh, this one depicts the Delaware Treaty of 1778. Oh. Um, so, 1778, already pretty national treasure relevant, uh, two years after the Declaration. Basically, um, this treaty came after the Declaration as the United States was signing what effectively was its first formal treaty with a Native American tribe. This was uh, the tribe known as the Delaware. Um, this Treaty occurred at Fort Pitt, which is now Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, and was signed on September 17th, 1778. Basically, the the purpose of the treaty was for American troops to be able to go through, like pass through the tribe's land to attack the British fort in Detroit. Um, And so, of course, here we have a national treasure connection to the Declaration of Independence and the Revolutionary War era. Mm. Um, I have two more for you. Okay. I am. 2014. <laughs> I can't get over this one. 2014. We've got a coin depicting, and I quote, Native American hospitality to the Lewis and Clark expedition, which is all around just an interesting way of putting that. Of course, I'm interested in it because of the Lewis and Clark expedition part and the National Treasure relevance there. Um, I I will say that the way the mint describes this design is, quote, success of the mission depended on help from the Indian tribes who might not have understood the long-term consequences of their hospitality, end quote. And all I have to say to that is, oof.
1: I love how that description places the blame on the Native Americans oh, in yeah. that situation for, like, being too hospitable rather than placing the blame on like the people who took advantage
0: yeah as soon as i saw Mm -hmm. that i was like oh this is absolutely going into our outline Mm -hmm. copy paste (laughs) uh that needs discussion um but of of course to get back to the levity of it all our national treasure connection we have a couple right we have our gates family mystery series our national treasure prequel book number three where the Lewis and Clark expedition is a main driving force that our protagonists are kind of following on their own treasure hunt. Mm-hmm. And of course, national treasure edge of history, the connection to Meriwether Lewis's journal.
1: Love it. Okay. Aubrey, did you save the best for last?
0: Um, It's a good one. I think it's from 2017. It is um, a depiction of Sequoia, the inventor of the Cherokee syllabary. So Basically Sequoia is the Native American inventor of turning the Cherokee language into a written form by creating a symbol for each syllable in their language. He uh is basically credited with like birthing Native American journalism in this way. Wow. And so do you know my do you know my National Treasure connection here?
1: Wasn't elvis part cherokee
0: yes so national treasure edge of history we see a connection to elvis and his ancestor uh morning dove white who is cherokee and so elvis is of course himself cherokee also
1: wow
0: um yeah so my last little point here as we wrap up um i realized we talked about this this dollar coin a lot but never actually explain what it was i mean it's only a dollar but it is golden color you might naively think that it is a gold coin it is not a gold coin. Nah. um it's actually a manganese brass on the outside that gives it that color but the hmm. overall composition of the coin as a whole <laughs> this one's for you em, it is 88.5 percent copper Woo 6% zinc 3.5% manganese and 2% nickel
1: love that they had to combine all of them
0: <laughs> oh yes it was it's very important now um i i really hope that this whole discussion today was a combination of interesting um funny and also a a cool way of kind of integrating niche intersections with both the national treasure movies and national treasure edge of history um it gave us a little history lesson. It also gave us a little science, specifically with my material science and the the metals that we're using today. So, hopefully, something for everyone.
1: Yes, hopefully. And uh, once again, let us know if you enjoyed this episode. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at nt hunt podcast, um, and you can find us to listen to on Apple podcast spotify or wherever you get your pods please go ahead like subscribe rate review really just do whatever you can on those various platforms and if you have not yet purchased your copy of our book national treasure hunt one step short of crazy please head over to tucker ds press and do so
0: yes please do and of course we will be back very shortly with our next episode in season six this is going to be one of our favorites It's a compare-contrast episode between the National Treasure films and uh, another film that people like to compare on the social medias to the National Treasure franchise. This movie came out what feels like recently in 2021 on Netflix. It is Red Notice. So go ahead and take a watch before we come back to you with an episode comparing it to National Treasure. And until then, I am Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And thank you so much for joining us on our national treasure hunt.